Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I was just in a relationship. I was happy to be in a relationship because my relationships at BYU were fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Manic Rambling Spiral. I'm Heather B. Armstrong. And I'm John R. Bray. In this episode, we are talking for the first time in a bit. One of those episodes where we do some catching up. Both of us just recently did some travel. Um, John, you were away for a week? Yes. Where'd you go? I was in Washington, for both state? work and yes, Washington State, mostly Eastern Washington, like right on the border of Idaho. My brother moved out there, and I was visiting him uh, solo, actually, which was weird. And how long were you gone? I was gone. I was only gone for mm, two and a half days. Quick trip. I I flew to New York. And I got to see I got to see Marlo for the first time in two weeks, and uh, that was that was hard. <laughs> I, I know I know that I should be coming back and reporting that it was glorious, and it was. It was. Um, I got to spend all day. It was a Tuesday. I got to spend all day of a Tuesday with her. It was wonderful, wonderful, wonderful to see her. She did look like she had grown, maybe. Seven inches, and uh, do you ever get that when it, when you're spending a few days away from Lexton and you see him, you're like, wow, did he get bigger? Every time, and I don't know if it's just me or if it's just this weird thing that happens where you assume they change overnight because you're not there, mm-hmm. but it always seems that way. Like, he'll hug me when I get home, and I'm like, ah, you're like a foot taller. I don't know how that happened. <laughs> and for me, every time it happens, it's like this punch, like, ah. Man, you're growing. No. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, I think it's like you. It's almost this mental trick that your mind plays. Like, look at what you missed. Mm-hmm. Like, whether it's forty-eight hours or two weeks or you know six months. Not that that's ever happened, but I think that that's just kind of how you how you process it. Plus, Marlo's at that age where she is really growing. She is. I mean, she's probably in the last year several inches. Um, we I call it the monsterization of my children, which happened to me when I was like, I think maybe 13 years old. I just, like I started to grow, like it was, it's like watching a tree branch, like reach out. <laughs> like all limbs so, and legs, yeah. All limbs and legs and elbows and knees and and uh, that really awkward stage. I mean, I was so I was so 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 skinny, and the kids in middle school. <sighs> I I I sigh because Lita starts middle school, in in about four or five weeks, and um, the kids in middle school used to call me 
Bones Brigade and Skeletor. Bones Brigade? Bones Brigade. Wow. Which I did not know until many, many years later was like a Tony Hawk skateboarding reference. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that even now. Yeah. Wow. So that's kind of a but, cool reference, right? Well, I mean, except that they were <laughs> making fun of me. And I was, I was like terrorized by the whole thing because I, I felt so insecure. So I would wear really, really baggy clothes to hide how skinny I was. Which almost just and, uh, accentuates it, you know, in yeah. hindsight. Mm-hmm. And both Lita has been showing, like Lita has just shot straight up and Marlo is just, wow, her limbs get, I, it's like I'm watching her limbs grow. And uh, it's almost like I can hear her limbs growing. And <laughs> um, it's going to happen just because, I mean, I'm five foot 11 and their father is six foot three. And we both have very tall siblings on, on both sides. So... Wow, I didn't realize John was that tall. It's coming. Yeah, they will be tall. Mm-hmm. And it's a hard, especially for, for Lita and Lexton. I mean, more more for Lita, I think, because she's a girl, but it's a hard age to be lanky. It's a hard age to to exist, honestly, because there's no perfect, they're either too tall or too short or too fat or too thin. Like, there's always something that middle school age kids will find to tear them down with, I think. Yes. So. they, I think middle, they, they go looking for any possible... Uh, and, and it's not even abnormalities. It's just a differentiation. Exactly. Yeah, it's not It's not an abnormality. It's just something they see that's different than themselves, so they highlight it for everybody else. Yes. But I definitely think it's. it will probably be a bigger issue for girls than it is for boys, at least at this age. Maybe it gets worse for boys later on. Yeah, I, I don't have very fond memories of middle school. For some reason, I thought I didn't I did not think about what that was going to be like for my own children. And everybody that I talk to is like, oh, no, oh, no, your life is over. It's like, oh, my gosh, I'm realizing that like she is about to go into some twisted, crazy dungeon of an experience. (laughs) (laughs) Well, then how do we prepare them for that? Because I, I think I mentioned this, I don't know way early on in the show that it's like you, you want to make them really excited for the next year and be really positive, but you also don't want to totally lie, right? Because middle school is shit sometimes. So how do you keep it positive while also letting them know that it might not always be great? Middle school was shit ooh, like like the majority of the time. Like it was awful. Um, and <laughs> so I'd let her, oh man, the registration process, is, he, is Lexton already in middle school? He is, yeah. Middle school here okay. is six to eight. Here it can be six to eight. It just depends on what school district you're in. Ah, okay. And so she is. It, so for her, it's just seventh and eighth. And the registration process, I'm oh, I'm just angry about it because it's like, do you remember? I don't know when I was in college, and I would be sitting there, and a professor would be going over everything that he wanted, like what was due that week for his one class and I had six classes and I would want to stand up and go do you think that your class is the only thing that I do in my life oh yeah I think that's what you're expecting of me and it's like this middle school it's like do you think how many parents have this much time for one kid to fill out all this paperwork I have to show up to the middle school twice on two different occasions with two different sets of materials and it's very 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 specific times in the middle of the day and it's like what huh <laughs> like why is it this hard separate paperwork or like actual yeah. school materials for her separate paperwork and then we have to go online and do something this is 
separate from back in the spring. So it, it's open enrollment, and meaning that we don't live within the the zone of where she would normally go to this specific school, but I don't want her to go to the school where we are zoned for. Sure. But it's open enrollment and you can apply and they accepted her. But going through that whole process was its own month's worth of going back and forth and calling and showing up. And it's like, oh my gosh, this is so much work for an experience that she could quite possibly hate. Oh yeah. <laughs> I don't want that for her. And when when we were looking at um you had to put some preferences down for classes. I really talked that up with her. I think she's gonna be doing some dance. She's gonna be doing like she's gonna be I think she's gonna try the choir. And I was really talking up those experience, like, you know, this could be really fun and you know, their their drama program is apparently like one of the best in the state and like the drama program, I was talking up those parts of it and not mentioning just the horrific attitudes and behaviors of her fellow classmates, potentially. Yeah, that's probably smart. But I think, I mean, I, I will say having Lexton go to middle school in sixth grade, and I'm sure there's educators out there listening that are going to just drill me on this. And that's fine. I totally welcome that. But I think sixth grade is too early. Mm. I think they're not quite, especially the boys are not quite ready for it so i in my opinion i think going in for seventh kind of gives those kids a little bit of a one-up so that is something that i think could be advantageous Mm -hmm. but yeah playing up the things that that she might enjoy i think is huge but you also have to recognize and have her recognize like maybe she won't enjoy them and that's fine but she figured it out you know lexton took he took spanish and um it didn't it didn't go quite as planned. Oh no. I think he had I, I I could hear that he had a knack for it, like his pronunciation was really good. He just didn't he didn't like it at all. And somehow somehow his his teacher was Polish teaching Spanish. And she I mean she was fluent in like six languages, so it was fine, but he couldn't say her name. Everything everything she said was in Spanish. Oh. Right, because that's kind of, it's like this immersion. So the first day they oh. get in the classroom and she's saying things in Spanish and, you know, saying book and pointing to the book and this is how you're going to learn. And I'm sure it works. I'm sure it's great, but not for him. And he didn't like it and I just said, that's, it's fine. You tried it. So no big deal. You know, there's no shame in, in hating it. And there's no shame in being bad at something. No, but like a, a language especially can be so frustrating. <laughs> A language, especially if you can't, if you don't know what they're saying. <laughs> oh no! Oh yeah. Well, and the other the other thing is he's very science minded. So his probably his least favorite subject is language arts, English, <laughs> which is awesome considering I'm a writer. But so to combine that dislike for actual English language and writing, and then try to learn how to do it in another language, he just he wasn't having it at all. Oh wow! Yeah. So I don't know if languages know. are offered, but something to keep in mind. I, I, that was several months ago and my head is so full of so much information. I'm kind of learning a a new language myself with this, some work that I'm taking on in, um, learning how to talk about, how to write specifically. I think you and I discussed this because you were doing a project that was kind of scientific, right? Yes. And learning how to write in that language is exhausting in, Oh yeah, writing it's writing anyway is um, 
you know, <laughs> writing anyway. Why, why did we do that? It's why mentally draining, no matter <laughs> yes. what you write. But when you write something technical, first you have to get your mind around the actual subject matter. Mm-hmm. And then you have to change the way you write to accommodate that more technical subject matter. Yes. So it's just like layers and layers and layers of, oh, my God, why am I doing this? I'm five words in and I'm already stuck. Yes. And um, morphing your brain into that mode and staying in it and sustaining it long enough to write as much as you need to write, it kind of feels like marathon training at times. You know, you've got you've to sustain that for 10 miles. Oh, yeah. Keep going. And at mile six, you're like, I want to stop. I want to stop. Yeah, but you have to you have to push. And I've even found with with writing, if you stop with this technical stuff and think I'm just going to take a break, you it's like 10 steps back. Yes. You know, and that oh, that's terrible. Oh. And I I've been doing some of this technical stuff for quite a while. It doesn't get any easier, I don't think. Don't say that. You just have to you have to love torture. <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure it'll I'm sure it'll be fine. Well, I've written I've written a very specific way for 15 years, and I I know the basics of r- copywriting, and I know the inside and out of what is grammatically correct and incorrect. Although people would probably raise an eyebrow at that, considering how I normally write on my website. But that's also contr- I, we, I think we mentioned this before. It, it pinpointed the fact that I don't get to write the way I normally used to write, and having that satisfaction of producing a piece of work and the release of endorphins afterwards. Oh yeah. Like that is missing from my life. Probably added to the vitamin D deficiency isn't helping things. <laughs> a little bit of extra stress. No yeah. no release, yeah. No, it's hard. I yeah. And there there's no there's no way to simplify it. I guess. Yeah. But with you, I mean, you've written in a, in a very specific style. I, I had a professor in college who used to say, you can break every rule you want when you write as long as you know all of those rules to begin with and you know that you're breaking them. And that, to me, is what you do. You know, if you don't write grammatically correct, it's not an accident. No. It's intentional. It's very intentional. But when you're writing technical reports or things like that, Anytime you do something that's not grammatically correct, it seems like an accident because it's it's not supposed to be there. I mean, everything yes. has to be very sound. And this is this is really intense work. What 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 you have been doing for a very long time, and I'm now sort of entering that realm and realizing, well, maybe what I should do is go make some handbags. <laughs> <laughs> I support that. Yes, you need an Etsy shop. Oh my god. <laughs> I mean, it does get easier in the sense that you start to the the actual subject matter, the research side of things starts to become easier because you build this foundation. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess you get used to writing in that voice. That part, I think, doesn't necessarily get easier, but with a greater foundation, it's not as big a struggle getting the words down, I guess. So yeah, there's hope. Was it a, was it a text that I sent you? I had seen somebody on Twitter or Facebook who said, "Being a writer is awesome. It's like having homework every day and then you die." Yes, yes, uh, yeah, that was awesome, and it's t- <laughs> totally correct. Oh yeah. Oh man, and Lita loves Lita excels in her reading and writing. That's what she loves to do, and 
when when asked what she wants to be when she grows up, she says often that she wants to be a writer like her mom. And I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> That's pretty awesome, though. I mean, yeah, it's of course it's cool it to see that. Course, but yeah. yes, as long as she doesn't use the name Deuce Jr., you're good. <laughs> exactly. But it's nice that she has that similar interest because you can kind of nourish that. Yeah. Like Lexton is all science. And I, I'm just going to be honest, I hate science. I've never liked science, especially life science. I just, I don't enjoy it. And he's so science minded that he'll sit down, we'll be just eating dinner and he'll try to describe some sort of wiring in some remote control car that he has. And nine times out of 10, I just look at him like, you need to, you need to stop talking and draw me a picture because I have no idea what you're saying. And usually he just rolls his eyes and he's like, ah, never mind. <laughs> Come on. I, it's just not my world. Is this a, Heather's, Heather is sort of science minded, isn't she? Hex? Hex, yes, she is. She's more life science minded. And I guess Lexton is more like chemistry, physics minded. Mm. But I think that's probably where that comes from. And, and Hex also hates writing. So, mm. yeah. You know, it makes sense in terms of, you know, the background that he has, but it's still a challenge. And he's way smarter than I am in everything science. I have already flat out admitted that to him. Like, there's a good chance you know a lot of things I don't. Yeah, the math and science stuff, it's like, well, maybe we can get you a tutor <laughs> because I am useless. Oh, yeah. Even though I, even though in high school and college I aced all of that, I have completely forgotten it all. Just Well, you don't use some of the more advanced stuff or you find other ways to do things that just mm -hmm. work better or you pick up a damn calculator because who's going to take the time to do long division when you're sitting there with a phone by you? I mean, it's, I don't know. I'm at a point where he does need a math tutor. I'm pretty decent at math. I did the same thing in college. I aced it, went through calculus, forgot it all. Yeah. And all this Common Core or Chicago math or, oh, I, I just don't know how they're doing it. I don't know how it's being taught. So I feel like helping is almost destructive. Yes. And I, I realized, I was talking to Kelly about this. We were talking about different ways of learning. And she, <laughs> this, is what, this is how it got brought up. She's like, um, you don't have stuff written down. Like, you don't have a, a spreadsheet of all the stuff that you're supposed to be on top of, do you? And I'm like, um, no, that's all in my head. And she's like, how do you stay on top of all of that stuff? Like, how do you, how, how are you not missing all those deadlines? And I'm like, I have always just kept things in my brain. That's, I mean, I try to get things down on paper to, you know, just to sort of keep track of what I have accomplished. But... <laughs> to try to get myself organized in terms of okay these these are the projects that I'm working on um I do that in my head like I can see the words and I can see the calendar in my head it exists there and I remember in college and I'm wondering like like in order to in order to help like our kids with their homework and stuff and stuff and stuff because <laughs> I went to college and <laughs> stuff um I used to go cram for exams like the hour before I would take the exam, I would go to the library and I would sit down and I would read through what I needed to know. And then while taking the exam, I could go back in my head and I could remember what page it was on, 
what the other words around the answer were. And I could pull the answer because I could see the page in my brain. Oh my God, that is so unfair. I could never, I was like, I was the student that had to start studying like a week in advance. Oh, really? Because I, I couldn't just read and retain it like that for some reason. I guess it would depend on the subject, but no, I would need to read something two or three times to really have it set in. But then I would remember it way longer than I would actually probably need it. Okay, so well then, you're lucky there because I would forget it immediately. So, so you'd ace the test and that was it. And that information was gone. I would gone. ace the test and then I would, I, I have no clue about anything. That's where it's all, it's all gone. It all disappeared like moments after I took the test. Wow. But the performance was there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't, I'm, I'm the exact same though in the sense that I don't make lists. All, the only thing I really maintain is my calendar. And I only do that because I can probably remember that I've got calls or meetings but I don't necessarily remember the phone number to call or little bits and pieces that go with them. So I maintain the calendar, but my list is in my head. And every time I actually try to write a list, it just ends up with arrows inserted and things being erased and drawn here and put in, and then it's just a mess. And then I'm afraid of my own mind because I look and like, how do I, how do I do this? (laughs) This is nuts. But somehow it works for the most part. You get shit done. I get shit done every day. But every day. But I want to make sure that I don't encourage that behavior because I don't think that it works for everyone. And I'm sure there is a better method, but I'm just too damn stubborn to change it now. Do you guys have like a normal homework routine when he gets home from school? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And what I've found with him, this sounds like I'm just horrible, but he gets home. And immediately sits down and does his homework, like within five or 10 minutes of walking in the door and I get him a snack and he does his homework because I found that if he, if he waits, he kind of like his, his brain just shuts off and then the homework takes twice as long, easily twice as long. Yeah. Is that what, I I mean, I feel bad because it's like a full school day and then let's sit down and do one or two or two and a half hours of homework, but it's the only way that's worked. I've tried it the other way and it's always an ugly scene. Well, one thing, and I wish that I could encourage every teacher to offer this Lita. Well, I guess going into middle school, there's more than one or two teachers, but Lita's teacher in sixth grade gave the kids between 30 and 45 minutes out of their day to get a jump start on their homework. And that completely changed Lita's life, like completely changed her life because the the teacher is there in case they have questions about the math that she's taught during the day. And then she gets a 30 minute head start on what could possibly be two hours at night. And uh, my kids get home and my kids, they really, really, really need the break. Um, I tried to force them into homework immediately and it completely backfired. And we would, they would just sit there and moan and whine and scream until I would be like, okay, then fine. Just, you know, take 10, 20 minutes. So they come in, they collapse. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't blame them for that. They come in, they collapse, you know, they get a snack. They, they're allowed like 10 minutes of screen time just to zone out. Oh, you let them use their screens before homework? I do. <sighs> tisk tisk. I know, I'm terrible. And then, uh, and then we do homework. Now, we're entering into this new era 
where we've got sixth, we got seventh grade homework, and then we've got second grade homework. Some differences there. Yeah. yeah. Well, second grade home, and Marlo is really, really, really scared. <sighs> Poor thing. Oh. Of the next year. Yeah, even before she, and it, it could be, it could have been exasper, ex, exasperated by, exasperated. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna let it go because I, I, I know what you meant, but. <laughs> No, it could have been exacerbated by um, knowing that she was going to be leaving for five weeks. But in that week leading up to when they left for New York, she several times was, I I would see the concern on her face and I'd ask her what's wrong. And she's like, I'm so scared of second grade. I'm so scared of second grade. It's going to be so hard. The homework is going to be so hard. I'm so scared. I'm so scared. And so I would sit down with her and I would hold her and assure her that I was going to be there to help her through it all. And I would talk to her teacher and I would make sure that, you know, but that's going to be, yeah, that's going to, that's a journey for all of us. It's a journey. I don't remember, this is not encouraging, I'm sure, but I don't really remember second grade homework with Lexton, but I remember thinking, oh my God, I never got this much homework in second grade. Uh-huh. I, and and I feel like that has kind of been my thought process every year. Like, I just don't remember getting the volume of homework that he gets. We we didn't have that much homework. But we survived somehow. I don't... It's so frustrating. I mean, there mm-hmm. there have been, you know, three hours of homework on certain nights. And in in his middle school, they're kind of like blocks of teachers that are on a team... So for for the core classes, so you'd think that they're all kind of on the same page and they know, you know, who who's giving what test or whatnot. But for some reason, there's still weeks where, you know, there's one test on Wednesday, two on Thursday, and one on Friday. I'm like, how do you, for one, it's not fair to him. And for another, it sure as hell isn't fair to me because it, it takes so much effort. And that, I mean, I've even admitted to him, I'm like, yeah, this is nuts, but we don't really have a choice, so we have to get through it. But it just feels super excessive. So much. It's super, super excessive. And I don't know, I, I listen to news reports and I listen to people screaming at each other about college and student loans. And there's a part of me, I'm putting all this money away for my kids in college. And there's a part of me that's like, hmm, <laughs> is is this the fate? What, what sort of fate do I want them like I want them to go to college because the experience is so phenomenal as as a as a rite of passage. Like middle school will be a rite of passage. I mean, and you have to walk through this fire to become the human being that you need to be. And uh, me going away to college and having that experience was well, thank God I did because I read that report about Avonix and my life changed. But um, you know, I, I want I want my children to have the responsibility of college yet at the same time. I don't want them to be saddled with so much debt that they can't ever get out of it. And I also, I don't know, I hear so many conflicting reports about the importance of a of, of a college education these days. And I can't believe I'm saying that out loud. <laughs> as in reports that it might not be as important to, as yes. we thought? Yes. Interesting. I mean, I really think it depends on, I think there's so many factors that play into it that it's it's a risk to not go. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe in, in hindsight, you know, when when all of our kids are 30, they'll look back and say, I didn't really need college. I guess the question then is, 
did it hurt to go aside from the massive amounts of debt that suffocate you on a daily basis? And w- wouldn't they rather look back at 30 and, and say, I didn't need it, than look back at 30 and say, I wish I had done it. Now I have to go. Right. And it could be, you know, do you want a liberal arts degree that's going to saddle you with $130,000 worth of debt? Right. Or do you, you figure out what you want to do? Let's say you want to go to nursing school. You want to become a nurse or you want to become a radiologist or you want to become a um, you want to work at a pharmacy. You want to be a pharmacologist. Like what like there I've seen the research that, that pinpoints like actually learning a very specific skill and going to a school that specializes in that skill is far more valuable than getting a degree in English and and being saddled with all of that money for a liberal arts degree. Um, and I am just committing treason here as a as a liberal arts major. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but here's how I can say that is that I had a I had a full scholarship to BYU and BYU at the time, the tuition for a Mormon was negligible anyway um, because it's subsidized by the church. So the, <laughs> the one semester that I my GPA dropped below a three nine five. The the one semester that it dropped below. The one below? semester, yeah. Mm, you had wow. to maintain a three nine five for the scholarship that I had, so um, it dipped to like a three nine two, and it was it, it then got reduced to a half tuition scholarship. So I had to pay half of what, and it was literally like a thousand dollars a semester. And because you were Mormon. Because I was Mormon, okay. and even for non-Mormons, it was like double that. Oh wow. Um, so here I am, a liberal arts major who didn't ha- who had zero college debt, nothing. I came out of college completely debt free. I don't know if that's in, uh, well, unless I send my children, unless I convert them to Mormonism and send them to BYU, <laughs> which is could, not could happening. be worth it for a few years for that <laughs> tuition break. I don't know. <laughs> wow. Mom, do not get hopeful <laughs> when you listen to this. Right. She collapsed down to her knees. She's like, finally. So I think the real question is, though, why did you have such a terrible GPA for that one semester? Why did I have a terrible GPA? Yeah. Uh, I was depressed. That was it? Yeah, I uh. was depressed. And I think I may have um, gotten like an A minus in one of the classes. Uh-huh. Wow. That was the, I think that was the semester that I realized that I, the semester that I called my parents and said, I'm coming home. Oh, wow. So it all coincided. Interesting. Mm-hmm. But you did walk away debt-free, which is... I did. I envy you for that. Student loan debts are... To, I personally enjoyed college, so I don't necessarily regret it. I just think the whole student loan system is garbage. It's You see, it's I didn't even... I didn't even know. People were talking about their student loan debt after I had graduated. You know, people who had gone to normal universities, and I say that with every intention of it being demeaning to BYU. (laughs) (laughs) Just to be clear. Just to be clear. I mean that in a a mean way. Like I would talk to to friends who had been to normal universities and they're like, yeah, well, I have to pay my student loan check this month. And I was like, wait a minute, what are you talking about? You have student loan debt? What is that? What? Didn't your church pay for it? (laughs) All of the tithing? That all of the members of your church going to your education? Yeah. Um, wow. I have moved in, and I'm still really good friends with this woman. First house that we ever bought, we moved in next door to 
two lawyers who had gone to um, the law school up here at the U. And their combined student loan debt was like double their mortgage for the next 30 years. (laughs) I remember thinking, what on earth is this? Like I had never really even, because student loan was not on my radar. I mean, I had heard of people getting loans to, to go very small loans to go to BYU that, that you could pay off within a few years. So, yeah. Yeah, it's it's crushing. And it's it's depressing because that's if if it's paid off in 30 years, right? I mean, I've I've looked at mine because you can adjust your payments and the inverse relationship between the size of your payment and the total amount of your payoff is the most depressing thing I've ever seen. I'm like, oh, I'm going to decrease my payment a little bit. Oh, that means I'm going to owe you another $8,000. No, I think I'll just keep it the same. It's it's horrible. And it's so frustrating to me. And I, I think I've probably mentioned this. I The school that I was originally attending, I had a full ride. And then when I moved from Michigan down to Illinois, I lost that full ride. So even when I went back and finished my degree there, then I had to take out loans. And it was like the, this extra burn because mm-hmm. I knew that at one point it had been free. Oh, man. Yeah. It was frustrating. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. My first boyfriend. Oh, and this and, and man, did this just set the standard. <laughs> for for future relationships? For future relationships, yep. He, uh, he's brilliant. I fell in love with his brain. And he was actually at the graduate school at BYU and had taken out student loans to pay for that, as well as taken out student loans to pay for his undergraduate. He never finished the graduate degree. We moved in together, and I got a job in Los Angeles. He came with me to Los Angeles and didn't get a job for another 10 months. Ooh. Like by choice or was looking and didn't find one? A combination of both. I know people like that. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden one day, his student loan um, bills started showing up in the mail. (laughs) Come to find out, he had spent all of his student loan money on stereo equipment and things like Like computer games. Like he took out extra money to buy just random shit he was supposed to have used it to pay his tuition and instead he used it to buy stereo equipment yeah so that and that's why he didn't finish his degree i'd have no idea wow. I, you know i just i was so busy trying to find a job and 
and and make something of myself that I didn't ask those critical questions at age 22, 23. And I was just in a relationship. I was happy to be in a relationship because my relationships at BYU were fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Man. Oh, man. It was, oh, dating at BYU is just, uh, oh, not good. It's a good primer for, good. for dating via Tinder in Utah, though, huh? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Some of the same names popping up. Oh, that's what you look like now. <laughs> It kind of is because, well, so at BYU, when you're when you're dating, you're always thinking, is this person going to be my eternal companion? My, e- go, my eternal companion. Yes, you go into uh, a date with that on your brain. I didn't. I didn't want to date like that. I just wanted to enjoy people, but <laughs> and you know, like a normal person. And but but there's there is this culture there where you go into dating and you're like, is this person going to be my eternal companion? And when we start our planet together, do I want this person to help populate my planet? Well, it would so, be his planet, though, right? You just kind of it would get be like his a planet. Free ride. Yeah, exactly. Free ride. And so dating is really, really messed up there. And you can feel even in a first date, this person is assessing <laughs> whether or not I can populate his planet. Ugh. And then they're willing to break the rules with you, certain sexual rules up to a certain point, and then make you feel bad about the fact that you tempted them into doing so. This is very specifically something that the men do to the women, I'm assuming. Uh, it, it was like I, my experience with me and my roommates, yeah, it, it happened quite a bit. And um, I mean... Breaking sexual certain rules, we're talking about like the bare minimum of intimacy. <laughs> like we're talking about like lying down on a horizontal surface together. Oh, <laughs> wow. I can't believe. Okay, this is where the conversation has gone. Anyway. <laughs> Somehow we but, made it here. <laughs> so this this dude that I ended up with, his his student loans started showing up in the mail and... I thought that I was going to marry this guy because we'd been together at that point for like a year and a half. So you were still Mormon at this point? No, I mean, no, we had sort of left the church together. Okay, gotcha. But I was still, you know, I had very freshly come out of Mormonism. I hadn't really expanded my idea. Like, I don't have to get married. Like, I can just take it easy and maybe date. No, I was was in this relationship with him and I thought, okay, I'm eventually going to marry this guy and I'm going to inherit this debt. And... I don't want that on my credit report. <laughs> Those romantic feelings are the best, aren't they? This is courtesy of Michael Hamilton, my father, who put it in my brain that never in my life should I carry a cent of debt. And so I started paying his student loans for him. With the intent, with the thought being that I'm going to marry him mm-hmm. and I'm going to have to pay this eventually, so I might as well just pay it off now. Yeah. Now, can I? Did you pay can aggressively? You yes, I did. Ah, okay. Oh, oh yes, I did. And I I paid probably. We broke up, and we broke up about four months after I started doing this. I probably paid a good ten to twelve thousand dollars into his student loan in four months. Yeah, oh, I needed I was, to date someone like you after college. <laughs> oh my god. I was a I had a really good job. Well, at the time, it was a really good job in Los Angeles and I was like, okay, this is my future that I'm thinking about here. 
this is my future. And then somehow I, I have, I have these moments where I wake up, you know, I kind of have to, I'm, I'm in the, I'm mired in these complicated situations and something happens and it wakes me up and I'm like, what am I doing? <laughs> what am I doing? Yeah. Wow, so you, you broke it off, I assume, because he would have to be yes. out of his mind to choose to end that. Yeah, I broke it off. Did he know you were paying aggressively on his student loans? Oh yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Did, and he was wow. totally fine with that. Did he ever get a job when you were together? So this is, this is really interesting. This is so, in, this is, oh my gosh. I took care of myself the moment that I left BYU. I was in, I was, it was me. Like I, I took care of myself and I took care of him. He, he had a job for all of four months that we were together. And we were together for over two and a half years, I guess. I remember... And, 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 and saying goodbye to him was really hard for me because I felt very maternal. I felt like I was letting go of a child because I had taken care of him for so long. And I remember thinking to myself, it's me. It's Heather. Like, Heather, I have got to, I have, I have only myself to count on. And I knew then that it was like going forward, I will never count on anybody else because it, it, it's, it's going to be me. Like, it's, I will always have to provide for myself. I had that thought. I knew it going. And maybe I have perpetuated that because it was so strident in that relationship. Um, but, and it has been like, I have supported myself. The, like that, that was the lesson that he taught me is that I always have to be self-reliant. I always have to be the one who's paying the bills. I always have to be employed. I always have to be hustling and making sure that I get things done. And... <laughs> I have not seen him since then. That was in 2000. So it's been 16 years. And he sent me an email earlier this year in February. What? He said he, mm-hmm, he said, this is a long story. I'm sorry. He said he'd finally Googled my name and uh, that he wasn't surprised that uh, I had achieved the level of success that I had achieved and that he wanted me to know because he's now a lead designer at a gaming company making incredible money. And he wanted to send you a check for ten to twelve thousand dollars. That's why I was wanted to ask him. <laughs> <laughs> he sent me an email and he says, I want you to know that I went through a very dark period in my life where I thought I was going to be unemployed for a very long time. And it was your example and it was our relationship that showed me what one has to do in order to accomplish something with themselves. And I will always be grateful for that gift that you gave me. <laughs> and I wanted to write back and I was like, do you know what you taught me? <laughs> that gift and the gift of $12,000. <laughs> wow. But I mean, that is kind of, that is definitely a compliment. But yeah. it, I don't know, maybe I'm just kind of unforgiving, but I feel like, things like that you you should just you should just figure that out like you shouldn't have to I don't I don't know I mean I don't know the situation in terms of how actively he was looking for a job or whatever but he was going through a very dark period of his life apparently well, and, clearly but yeah. I don't know I I'm sort of with you on that like yeah. I don't want to 100% cut the reins and just let someone else take it not that I have to control everything but I, it just it would make me worried about what would happen yeah if i did that like i don't ever want to to give up some of that control to a degree share it is fine but not give it up yeah wow i there's a it's, i'm not scared 
Well, well, it is a level of control. Like I, I, I always want to work. I enjoy working. I enjoy, you know, using my brain and my hands and my energy. Um, but I, it, it was a distinct like feeling inside when I said goodbye to him, like, I am always going to have to take care. I will always have to, it'll be me. I will count on no one else. Well, but I think that's, I guess it, it is control. I mean, you want that control, but I think it's, it's also not in a sense because if you're with someone who has a similar mentality, then you're both working to make sure that you're using your mind, that you can support yourself, et cetera. But you're also supporting each other, mm-hmm. right? I mean, in an, in a, a good ideal relationship, that's how that would be. And I think that's not really control. It's just being smart. I mean, even, even if the worst possible scenario, happens, if it's a layoff or if there's a tragedy, like once you've, once you've cut yourself loose and handed over that control, you know, depending on how long that goes, I think you forget how to take it back. Right. Well, this is why when my dad says, or anybody says to me, what you really need is to find, you know, a doctor or a lawyer so that you can just relax a little (laughs) bit more and have him take care of you. And it's like, I don't under, I do not understand that. Like, I don't even understand the words. The words don't make sense to me. I don't, I don't get it. I don't get that. I mean, conceptually, yeah, it sounds great, but I, it doesn't sound smart. Mm-mm. And I, I mean, for you or for me, not just like to be the woman who, who finds the, the wealthy doctor or something, but it doesn't sound smart. And I would be so uncomfortable not kind of pulling my own weight, I guess. It would just, I would be bored. I would be uncomfortable. I would be insecure. I, w- I just want to feel like I'm, that I can support myself, but that I can also contribute if someone else is contributing. Mm-hmm. Not, a, that, not everybody is like that. Yeah. Yeah. But people who remain unemployed by choice, I don't know. I guess unless you're, unless you're actively doing something else, and maybe it's, and I, I guess I should say I'm not criticizing these people. Everyone's situation is different. I know. But there are also people that choose to remain unemployed when it probably doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Like him, perhaps, although he was going through a dark period. Well, he had me to take care of him. So, and he was perfectly fine with it. And uh, I'm glad that he at some point woke up and changed his mind. I, you know, and he seems really, really happy. Um, he, one of the reasons that I broke it off with him as well is that he never wanted to have a family. Ah, okay. And and now he's got, I think he's got two kids. Oh, there we go. Yeah. So he really did kind of find uh-huh. his own path. You guys were also fairly young. Yeah, I was 23 and he was like 26, 27. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. It's, I think that caring for aspect, there are people that just, they adjust to it. So even if there's incentive or there's a reason to maybe try and break that mold, they don't. Because they don't ever, they don't, they don't perceive the reason to do that. Yeah. I know someone in a very similar situation to that who's caring for someone else that should be capable of contributing but isn't. And it's just kind of, it's sort of a frustrating situation to watch from the outside. And you mentioned, mm-hmm. I think, like that maternal feeling. Right. And I think that's part of it. But it's kind of weird when that's a person you're in a relationship with. Right. I mean, you shouldn't really yeah, feel maternal. I don't want to, because maternal feelings for 
for a, a partner. Um, yeah, and that kills romance. Uh, yeah, that yeah, that kind of makes it awkward. I would think. <laughs> I mean, when you feel like his mom, things start yeah. to lose some of that fire. Mm-hmm. And if it if it does the exact opposite of that, that's probably not okay either. I'm just gonna <laughs> hypothesize. Get a job. <laughs> You're gonna have all those student loans anyway. That's what we need to do. We just need to sit our kids down and be like, listen, you're going to be in debt for the rest of your life. So just get the best damn job you can. Oh, and finish your degree. Hello. You don't get, you don't get to take out student loans and not finish your degree. Though That I've never, I've had friends who were, you know, like four or six credits away from a degree and didn't finish and they're paying off student loans. And I can't, I can't imagine that feeling. Like, uh-uh. I, I have a degree in English. I'm a writer, so I'm using that degree, and I'm paying off student loans. But to look back and not have anything to show for it and still be forking over the cash, oh, man, I couldn't do that. No way. Oh, it's also complicated now. <laughs> it is, isn't it? If you could just find that doctor or lawyer, everything would be fine. Everything would be fine. I'm still looking, so, you know. I mean, I'm sure my, – my, I don't think my dad listens to this, but my dad was probably just like – taking a fork to his eyes right now or into his forehead because it's like, wait a minute, no, 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 Like, you know, do you know how hard I worked in order to get my college education? And, you know, his his generation, he was the first of his family to go to college. And, you know, like this is something that all of his children and all of his grandchildren must do going forward. And because he pulled himself up and it's just like, well, dad, it's a, it's it's different now. It's a lot of money. Oh, yeah. Well, do you think, though, is it a gender thing with him? Like, he didn't encourage your brother to meet a wealthy lawyer or doctor, right? Yeah, no. I mean, it's totally like you're a you're a delicate, fragile lady, and you need someone to take <laughs> care of you. Like, that's, right? I mean, that's kind of that that unspoken truth behind that attitude, isn't it? Yeah. Well, it's, it's, a, it's a very traditional Southern attitude that, you know, men take care of women. That's what it's how it's how the relationship works. Men take care of women. And it's also Mormon, right? I mean, that goes yes. along with that. So Yes, exactly. He, you know, he gave birth to a child that is very uncomfortable with that notion. Not only am I uncomfortable with it, I've never lived like that. Ever. Also, he was married to probably one of the most ambitious women who ever lived. So, so really it was like a lose lose wherever he looked. Yeah. Well really it was down. a win, but Based yeah. on that, yeah. Well, yeah, I don't know. How, I don't know how we got here, but somehow well, we went from college. second grade to student loan debt. Well, part of it too was I remembered the so there's there's a few different types of college funds that you can get for your kids, and I had sat down with my new um, financial planner, and he was suggesting he was doing the numbers. If I send her to an in-state school, by the time Lita goes to college, I need to put away this amount of money a month. And I was like, what? For for how long? It's like you're paying her student student loans. loans. Yes. And I said, how about we start less aggressively? And and then we'll we'll see how things go from there. 20 bucks in a savings account every month. (laughs) Here you go. Who knows? Maybe, Maybe college will be free by then. Right? Wouldn't that be great? I think it's likely. Should we just naturally transition into politics now? Bernie or bust? Bernie or bust. Uh-uh. No, I'm just gonna just gonna come out right now and say if you are burning your bust, oh how privileged are you? 
how privileged you get to be to be burning your bust because a, a potential homegrown demagogue whose policies will not affect you in any way, but will affect those who have been disenfranchised. Sorry. So how do you feel about this election? <laughs> I'm just... I'm just trying to get a feel for it, okay? Listen, I I like Bernie Sanders. I do. I think he's I think uh, what he uh, like his policies and and whatnot, but I care more about those whose whose lives will be really impacted by a Trump presidency in a negative way. Yes. Oh yeah. I I'm afraid of it. Mm-hmm. Honestly. So yeah, Bernie or bust. That's where I stand. Totally 100%. <laughs> that's probably for another episode though, maybe. You know what? It is kind of and and when when uh, people are trying to get me to go to coffee or get a date on Tinder or whatnot, I'm like, are you voting for Trump and are you burning your bust? You must answer these two questions before I will agree to see you. Yeah, I yeah, that's fair. I think that's fair. Although I will say finally, and this was encouraging, although I'm not ignorant to think that it's impossible for Trump to be elected. Uh, I saw my first ever Trump yard sign in eastern Washington. Oh. That's the only one I've ever seen. Well, aren't you lucky? I Do, do you see a few of them? Oh, my God. Do you really? They're everywhere. <laughs> this is Utah. <laughs> wow. Yep. I see them on cars. I see them in windshields. I see them on yards. Yeah, on buildings. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, no, it's not quite like that here. We're a blue state, after all. We are the reddest of the red. I think we're redder than Mississippi. No way, really? Yeah, uh-huh. It's Utah. Wow. Yeah. So you fit right in. I do. Not red, not Mormon. Not married to a oh, rich I, lawyer. I am blonde, so I kind of fit in. It's like, going with that. Blend right in. They can't tell that an enemy is in their ranks. That's right quietly and go go vote make that state just a little more blue than it is <laughs> actually really quickly one of the biggest turnouts for bernie was here in salt lake city really and in, in fact they 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 supposed that if bernie had gotten the nomination that utah could quite have gone blue for the first time wow he had that big of a, a following here that's pretty impressive mm-hmm. hopefully some of that turns out yeah and and votes for whether they fully agree or not for hillary so that we don't have the most terrifying four years ever in this country and on that happy note on that happy note yes i think uh i think that that catches us up it catches us up it has been a while though and i feel like every time we do one of these it dawns on me like, wow, it, it's not only has it been a while, but I feel like it's getting to be a greater while every time just because, you know, life. Life, work, kids. Yeah. Yeah. Complete insanity. <laughs> but we're doing it with, with that disorganized list in our head. Yes. And and you're doing it with student loans and I am doing it with a nun. With, Sorry. With a nun. Thank you for pointing that out. Really appreciate that. <laughs> But I went to BYU, so there's the trade-off. There, there we go. Okay. I don't know if that's an equal trade-off, but I've also never been to BYU, so who knows. But, I, you know, if anyone out there has really encouraging, positive stories about student loans, like maybe great relationships that they've developed with Sally Mae over the years, 
We'd love to hear those. And I would like to know how you develop them as well. It would be great. So please feel free to email us at stories at manicramblings.com and share those with us or, or stories about anything else, really. They don't have to relate to Sally Mae. I would love to hear from people who like really value their college education or maybe those who are like, you know what, I kind of wish I hadn't. Or how do, how do you feel about your higher education experiences yes or how you know if you have kids that are you know 16 17 18 looking at college what are you encouraging that'd be awesome get a job priority number one (laughs) oh and you can uh, also reach us on twitter facebook or instagram at manic ramblings those platforms are more your thing than email which is sort of old school now i guess sort of sort of i mean i still like it but for the kids you're you're a writer of course you like it that's right the longer the better (laughs) oh man until next time get a job get a job Many thanks to Tan Lines for the soundtrack, to Lisa Congdon for the cover art, and to Ryan Coomer for his expertise with the editing stuff. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.